Compete to win real money playing your favorite games. On World Winner, you can enter cash tournaments in a ton of titles like Solitaire, Scrabble Cubes, Wheel of Fortune, and more. They prize out more than $250,000 every single day, and they just launched Angry Birds Champions. So now, for the first time ever, players can compete for cash in Angry Birds. Here's how it works. You can choose from a bunch of different tournaments and even practice with free warm-up games. Plus, you'll get matched with opponents of similar skill. Play online at worldwinner.com or download the World Winner iOS app. It's free to sign up. Check out the link in the bio and be sure to use promo code ANTI to get up to $20 in free game credits with your first deposit. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 23rd, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Uh, so it's basically your birthday today, uh, because we're recording a day before... Uh, so happy birthday! Do, does your age now reflect the gray hair on your head? Uh, no, not yet. Still yeah. not there. I still got probably twenty years. To Damn. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone says to me, "I oh, it's Scott's birthday tomorrow." And they're like, "Oh man, how old is he?" And he's like, "I think he's like two years younger than me or something." They're like, "What?" <laughs> they're like, he's forty-five, forty-six. I'm like, forty-six, baby. He's forty-six, and then they're like, "Wow, that's impossible." Right. And, uh, so Scott was turning gray like when he was in his twenties. Yeah, so the, the funny thing was last night, uh, Laura and I were at a bar. That's not the funny thing. That's every night. But, uh, uh, you know, I lost this commission race, so I'm no longer a public official. Um, but I am filling the void by writing about government for our local news website here. <laughs> and uh, so he wanted a photo. And I'm like, well, you can just use the photo they used to me when I was commissioner. He's like, no, I want something fresh and new. I'm like, oh, okay. So we were at the bar going through my Facebook page looking for photos. Now, of course... There are five million photos of me on my Facebook page, right? Yeah. But I, we're like a half an hour in looking through there, and we can't find a single one that's appropriate for what, what he needs. And uh, so we're like, you know, at one point, Laura's like, okay, now we're getting to the point where you don't look like you do anymore. <laughs> Your hair's not as gray. And I'm like, no, my hair's always been gray. This is why I keep telling you, stop opening your mouth on all your selfies. <laughs> if you just right? close your mouth, because I know it's hard for you to close your mouth. But if you would just close your mouth on yourself, you should probably have a dozen photos to send this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, you know, hey, I'm getting back on the road. Always like that. Yeah. Actually, we have busy travel coming up for, for Andy up here the next month or so. But uh, this Friday, I'm flying off to uh, Pearl River Resort because we have not one but two Antigap Poker Tour main events going on this weekend. Chris? Yes. Um, like I said, I'll be at Pearl, Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi. I'll get there Friday afternoon. Um, and that's when the $810 buy-in main event has two flights. And they'll have two more on Saturday as well, too. For more information, visit antiupmagazine.com slash Pearl River. And Friday and Saturday, Vikiva Hotel and Casino near Phoenix will offer four flights if it's $300 buy-in main event. For more information on that event, visit antiupmagazine.com slash Vikiva. Winners of both of these main events will appear on the cover of Anti-Up Magazine and get a seat in the 2018 Anti-Up World Championship main event. And, of course, that'll be at Thunder Valley Casino Resort, where I'm flying up there in another week um, to help them open their brand-new poker room, which is very exciting. Actually, it's already open. They did a soft opening, but they're doing an official grand opening um, April 4th, I believe it is. And um, so I will be a – literally, and I I haven't even told you this yet, but I am – I actually literally had to sign a poker celebrity contract. <laughs> they're, they're, they're paying to fly me out and, and play in the tournament, and uh, Matt Savage is going to be there, Mike Sexton's going to be there. Uh, I forget who else is going to be there, but that's going to be a fun party as well, too. So, Jeez. Uh, and then get back from that trip and visit, uh, flying off New York, visit some casinos there I haven't been to, and then back, and then we're on a cruise next month. So, 
Crazy. A lot going on, but but looking forward to seeing the folks that uh, friends I made out there in Mississippi this weekend. And um, our director of sales, Chris Cronin, is representing us out at Paquiva. So uh, whatever coast you're on, find yourself at an Annie Up uh, Poker Tour main event this weekend. So I had the pleasure of uh, of running our poker cruise by myself without you uh, last <laughs> week, two weeks ago, and. Uh, one of the things that we we had our uh, one of our strategy writers on there, Mark Bremmett, yeah, he came on this cruise, and I was chatting with him, and I think it's I think he said it was Vikiva. Okay, it could be Vikiva, yes. I, I think because I I think I've been saying Quiva, and you've been saying Quiva, and I don't know what you said, but um, <laughs> no one knows what I say. But I, I think it's Vikiva, so I don't know. It sounds cool to say them both, so I don't know, but I'm I think he said it to me like in a passing comment, and I was like, don't. So, I think it's Vikiva Hotel and Casino, and uh, it's a nice property. Um, but here's the great thing: is you don't need to know how to say it to show up and buy into the three hundred dollar main event. Yeah. And get on the you don't need to know how to say it to be able to play it. <laughs> so that's awesome, and I love this next item we're going to talk about because we wrote a, a publisher's column about it. So very interesting. Yeah, and we'll, we'll poke the bear a little bit more because we have some fans that aren't happy with our bad beat, uh, our, our stance on the on the issues. Good. I'm still, still a candidate, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Stations Casinos, uh, the parent of Red Rock Casino, where a bad beat jackpot had been invalidated because a player showed his cards too early at the end, will no longer offer a bad beat jackpot after paying out all the players who were affected by the decision. After the Nevada Gaming Board ruled in favor of the players, a Las Vegas Review Journal article says some players have noticed a drop in business in Stations Poker Rooms after the dispute. See, this is what we're getting at. And. You know, it's like, it makes sense if you don't want the hassle, if you don't want the problems, you don't want the trouble, don't have one. Give the money back to the players in an easy way. Hey, you made a high hand? Here you go. Hey, you made a roll flush? Here you go. You know, hey, you want to have a special free roll? Here you go. It can't be controversial with those things, but this bad beat. Well, all right. You you know I'm on Team Chris on this, right? Yeah. Here's the funny thing is in this article in the Review Journal, uh, one of the players, and uh, these were all the players that got like a table share, um, so it was like 560 bucks or something like that. But yeah. it held up for months while they went through this whole process. Um, the article said some of them, uh, some of those players left and never aren't coming back. They're frustrated. They went to the poker rooms. Of course, in Vegas, you have lots of options, right? But yeah. uh, but they they quoted this one that decided to come back and play, and then her very first time back playing. Um, she she had a high hand, but because not both of her whole cards played, because one of the board cards played, uh, she didn't get the high hand promotions. <laughs> and she's like, "I'm in, I'm out, I'm done." But that's um, like an official rule that makes sense because got to play your five hand five cards. Right. Exactly. So I I really felt bad for the casino at that, that point because that is standard everywhere. Um, you know, you got to. I mean, there's actually I shouldn't say standard everywhere. There are some casinos that do one card promotions. Uh, they'll probably get an edge, but uh, but generally speaking, it's you have to play both cards, and it doesn't matter. And if the kicker on the table is better than the kicker in your hand, then you don't have a qualifying high hand. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's frustrating the players, but so anyhow. So I, I guess that's the point of saying that no matter what, you, you can do no good, right? <laughs> that's right. Anytime you offer some nice things to players, they're going to complain about it one way or the other. It doesn't matter. So, but. Uh, but certainly, I, I I think the you know we're not going to rehash the whole bad beat discussion we had. But um, when things go wrong with a bad beat, they're magnified. You know, if somebody doesn't get a hundred dollar high hand because they don't realize that both cards have to play, yeah, they'll be upset, but they're going to get over it pretty soon, I think. Um, but when somebody doesn't get three hundred grand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that tends to stick with you a little longer, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, if you want to be rehashed and you want to get aggravated, pick up our April issue because we wrote about it uh, again because we wanted to make sure everyone – because not everyone listens to our show. So we want to make sure everyone knows our stance on it because we think we could help more than we can hurt with it. And uh, so pick it up in our April issue. All right. And then I uh, held this item from last week but still uh, fairly current. John Pappas, who recently stepped down after serving 10 years, is the only executive director of the Poker Players, Alli- uh, the Poker Players Alliance ever had. Recounted those years in an interview with PokerNews.com. Uh, I found it an interesting look uh, back at how the organization got started and how Pappas used his political experience to shape it and the various challenges uh, that the organization has faced, up to including his most dire lack of funding 
Uh, despite having a membership of more than one million, new executive director Rich Muni says the PPA needs to raise twenty-five thousand dollars by the end of this month just to stay afloat. And of course, that was from last week, so I don't know maybe they hit that magic number already. I don't know, but uh, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? You get yeah. one million members, and uh, they're so destitute that they, they need to raise twenty-five thousand just to stay afloat, let alone doing everything else they need to do. So yeah. I mean, basically, if they all gave a dollar, it'd be a million. So if they all gave, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. You can't even get 25 grand out of all your members. Um, and then even there's always, like, some angel investor or somebody out there who's, you know, 25 grand's nothing to them. Somebody will probably step up if they haven't already and just do it, you know. Well, yeah, and I don't think they got into this, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of the problem with the funding is that, they probably got a lot of funding from you know Poker Stars and Full yeah, Tilt yeah. Ultimate and all those back in the day when when this was getting started because they had a lot to gain. Right, getting online poker um, legit, um, and now there, there's really no there's nothing for those companies to hang their hat on and being able to make the kind of money that they would have in the past. I mean, you still go state to state like we mentioned, but that's a very small piece of that pie. So it doesn't make as much sense to support at the level that they used to. So they would be depending more on folks like you and me to send a check. And, right. um, and again, now it's getting a little more difficult as well too, because I imagine those players also are wondering, you know, you know, how, how possible is this going to be? I mean, if you live in a state where you've got legislators talk, legislators talking about this all the time, then yeah, maybe you feel like something's going to happen pretty soon. But if you're in say Utah, <laughs> Um, you know, there, there, there's nothing to uh, be encouraging on the national or the state level. So, um, it, it doesn't seem like it makes as much sense as it did before back in the day. Uh, maybe they can sell their integrity like the pro sports franchises have done, and uh, like call it the uh, I don't know the the San Diego County Tax Collectors PPA <laughs> to get their twenty five grand, you know, and pool on weed eater <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The Floby PPA, <laughs> you know, do whatever you got to do to get that twenty five grand. Um, but you're right. Without online poker, like even having a shot nationally, without people being worried about it, like the Wild Wild West, it's tough for the PPA to to continue to. I mean, they're fighting these little fights all over the place. But you know, until they need, until the there are online rooms that need defending and need help. You know, to the magnitude that they did before, where, yeah, we can we can spread poker on online and stuff, but you know, it's it's scary now. And until they can make headway with that, like some sort of federal thing, then there'll be something there for them to protect. They'll have money behind it because all these rooms will or online rooms will be in the country and needing their help and needing, you know they'll throw some money at them. But until then, it's going to be tough for this place to stay this this uh, alliance to stay afloat. Yeah, if you actually look at how how difficult the playing field is for them now one um so you lost all that that good chunk of money that was easy to get right right and then two now the work has gotten so much harder because back when they first founded i mean all i should say all their efforts they've always been looking at but most of their efforts have been focused on washington dc right right and now they're being stretched all over the place they're fighting battles in you know pennsylvania north carolina and and california and um, and all those states work differently, have different constituencies, different things going on. So it, it not only has the money dropped off, but the work has gotten so much more complicated. Um, that's just a bad mix, I think. Yeah, that's a bad combo right there. Uh, all right. Any updates? We have three more Annie Up Poker Cruises coming up this year, and there is still time to book our nine-night sailing to Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao on April 13th out of Miami. In July, we'll be sailing from Tampa to Cuba, and in October, from Tampa to Cozumel. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick-reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit antiupcruises.com. Uh, and the well's starting to run dry on Hand of the Week and Listener Spotlight and Call the Floor submissions. Email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com or post it in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. So, uh, are we worried about Facebook? Uh, you know, you know, it's interesting because 
people like are losing their minds over this, right? And I'm not suggesting that if you're one of them that you're losing, you shouldn't lose your mind. But uh, I always find this really interesting with Facebook because I've always my page has always been completely public. I have no privacy settings whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, talked my wife into that too because she thought it was kind of weird. And I'm like, you know what? Um, the fact that I have no privacy settings is a forced filter for me because I know that whatever I say, anybody can on there, anybody can see. So it forces me not to be as mean and negative as other people <laughs> might be. Right? I know it actually works. Uh, I got you. I got you. So, uh, so I and I'm also. And I've also told people I love Google. I mean, I have turned my entire life over to Google. Uh, I know they they scrape my emails and they know all this, everything about me, and that freaks some people out. But I tell you, it's worth it when I can just pick up my phone and Google will tell me where I parked my car. <laughs> you know, right. I, uh, you know, all my travel is on Google Trips now. I push one button and I it, it shows me everything I've got coming up, and I didn't have to do anything. It just give them my email. So uh, I, I understand why people are freaked out by data and stuff like that. Um, I feel privacy has been violated, but I, I'm probably the most public person <laughs> you'll see. I, I love playing those stupid little Facebook games, and if it's giving information to somebody and Russian trolls are now using it to try to get me to change my vote, that's great because uh, they've got to work really hard. <laughs> yeah, but that's the problem. They work really hard for you, but for the rest of the people who aren't as vigilant and smart as you that's why we're where we are so <laughs> but it know. is going to be interesting because you know I read a couple of stories this morning about the number of people fleeing Facebook and I've seen I don't know a handful of, of Facebook friends none, none close ones yet but just you know friends that are we call Facebook friends right? <laughs> who, who are, are getting out of Facebook and you know I think that's a tragedy because I think Facebook, despite all of its negatives, has been in really the greatest social experiment of our lifetimes. And it helps keep in touch with people. It helps learn you learn things. I mean, you learn some things you shouldn't probably. But um, so the more people drop off, I think it's going to be a, um, a less useful and less um, interesting platform. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I don't know. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.anyupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we'll send them something cool. Some guy named Vic G wrote us. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but uh, he says, I've always been a proponent of not having to show my cards unless necessary. I know Scott doesn't feel this way, but even at a 1 2 no limit hold'em game at a Florida dog track filled with recreational players, giving them free information on the cards I play is not smart. Uh,. They are watching. Do I open preflop with weak hands in position? Do I call down my flush draws? Do I overplay top pair with a weak kicker? Do I like to slow play my flopped sets? All this information has a value, and giving it away for free is senseless. If you doubt it has value, have you ever heard a a player saying, will you show if I fold, or show the bluff, it's good for the game, or better yet, I'll give you $1 if you show me your cards? I recently learned that casinos in South Africa make players table their hands when all-in in cash games, just like in tournaments. Do you agree with this rule? A Florida card room is now tabling players' hands if they show them to any player at the table to discourage some players from getting this information while others do not. If a player shows the guy next to him, then folds, those cards are set aside and shown to everyone at the conclusion of the hand. Good rule? It is if you think seeing a player's hand is valuable information. Sharp players simply do not show their cards. Many, when called, might announce one pair, and if their opponent tables a better hand, then can safely muck without having to show any cards, leaving you to wonder which pair. Did he have a flush straight draw to go along with it, or was it a bluff with a bottom pair? Poker is a game of information. Protecting yours is always smart. This public announcement comes to you from Vic G. (laughs) Um, I have... uh, I have a, I have a thing about this. I I feel like uh, I, there there are reasons to show sometimes, and there are reasons to not show sometimes. I I understand never showing as a rule, um, but then I think you're also losing out sometimes by showing. And I'll give you kind of an example, and I didn't mean for it to work out this way. And I don't mean to be hogging the show, but you always talk, so let me go. Um, on the cruise. When we go on the cruises, you and I try to not have to play, don't we? 
Right. Right. Because we're the owners and we just want to enjoy ourselves as much as we can because, you know, we just want them to be happy, them to play. And, you know, if somebody loses a big pot to one of us, they'll be like, oh, great, the owners, you know. So we try not to play. Well, there was one occasion this week or that week when I played because there was a table that was going to break and, I, and there were no seats open at the other tables. And so I didn't want those people to be disappointed that their table was going to break and they weren't going to be able to keep playing. It was fairly early in the night. So I sat down and they all looked at me and they went, oh, hey, Chris is here, this is cool. Yo. And I'm like, I said, look, I don't want this table to break. I want us to keep going, I want us to keep playing, having fun. So listen, if I raise, I've got it. Let's just move on. <laughs> don't fight me on this, okay? And like three hands in, I got pocket aces. And I raised. And I got two callers. And I raised a lot, so they wouldn't want to call. And I got two callers. All unders. I bet big. Got a caller. Uh, turn was another under, of course. And I bet big and he folded. I showed the aces. Because I thought, this fits my story. I'm proving to them that whenever I raise, I have it. So I showed the aces. Now, I understand it. And you can totally have the other argument now. Well, now they know when you raise, they're going to have to, if they fall the big hand, you're going to, you know. I know that whole, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make, and it had the opposite effect, and I felt bad. But I, I tried to make them understand that I'm just here to keep the game going, and I'm not trying to take your money. So if I raise, just get out, move on to the next hand, because all I'm doing is taking blinds. I'm not trying to take your money. And they didn't believe me. So, like, ten hands later, I got aces again, which was really bizarre. <laughs> I raised, got two callers. I raised, it's a 1-3 game. I raised to 20. Got two callers. Flopped an ace. And I bet, said, look, just fold, you know. And, nope, they wanted to see it. So, I think on the river I got on the fold. And I showed the set. I ended up, boat, I think, turning a boat. Or either that or I rivered a boat. I can't remember. But I showed it. They're like, whoa! I said, I'm trying to tell you, I've played two hands out of ten. They were both aces. So later on, I got pocket deuces, and I flopped quads, and the person just would not believe me and went all the way with it. And I'm like, I'm not going to check. I'm telling you, I have it. And so I showed the hands as a way to say to get the desired effect of what I wanted. So now, if if later on, some guys that I really like to play poker with sat down with us and we got into this big kind of game where they didn't care I was playing or whatever, I, you know, I might have had that reputation of, hey, he's only raising when he has it, and then I can use it later when I don't have it. Now, I realize they can use it against me and know that when I have a hand, if they flop two pair or something, they're going to get all my money because I have an over pair or something like that. You know, They can use it against you. But there are instances, right, Scott, where showing your hand can give you help can benefit you and then not showing it at other times can help you too i I just i feel like to be so rigid on never showing there there are some benefits to showing yeah um the problem with that is you gotta determine whether you're being smarter than everybody else by showing right that's that's true that is true (laughs) so uh, the argument against what you're saying is vic g's argument is if you don't show that no one ever has any information about you, and they're always guessing. So um, philosophically, I, I know he. Uh, it, it, it's always fun talking to Vic because he's super smart, um, and we went back and forth on this particular issue as well, too. Um, so I know he started off by saying that I don't feel this way. Um, so I'll just reiterate why I don't feel that way. For me, it, it's just an efficiency thing. Um, you know, I, I really hate these Wild West showdowns at the end where, hey, you're supposed to show first. No, no, yeah. you are. No, well, you show. I called your bet. I'm like, and meanwhile, <laughs> you know, everybody else is now on their phone, not paying attention anymore because they're waiting for you guys to, you know, quit this thing going on. Um, so my point is, I, I just like to turn my hand over at the end. Uh, I want to playing as conservatively as I am. I need to get as many hands in per session to have a, a the best chance of booking a winning session, right? Right. So for me. If I turn my cards over right away, the pot's pushed, we go on to the next hand, you know, over a couple hours, I'm going to pick up five, six, seven extra hands that way. Sure, um, there's a possibility that there's one or more players at the table that actually are paying attention that closely, and when I show a hand that I didn't need to show, 
that he could come back to bite me. But I, I just, I really honestly don't believe the one-two element players are that sophisticated. Some are, uh, don't get me wrong. But um, for me, on balance, I just feel like I'm going to do better by just getting the hand over with as quickly as possible and moving on to the next one. So, um, but uh, this this email has been really interesting, I think, because, um, you know, one, he mentioned the South Africa casino, make table uh, players table their hands when all in in cash games. Um, I, I don't know if I support that or not. I wouldn't mind it, but I pushing for it um tournaments i think are more worried about collusion than in cash games uh though i just watched rounders the other day (laughs) have you ever seen that movie Uh, i think so uh so yeah but there is possible collusion in cash games as well too so maybe that's maybe that's a good rule to have too i don't know uh but where i really took issue was is this florida card room you mentioned where players you know if they show their buddies the cards and i hate that i really do hate that um, now they are showing those cards to everybody, but oddly, they're doing it at the end of the hand. And um, and maybe no one else agrees with me on this, but I think those cards should be turned over immediately. Now, Vic d- disagrees because now it's influencing the action, but um, I-, I can just imagine if you've got three of these guys that feel like their buddies aren't going to believe them that they're folding a straight draw... <laughs> By telling them after the hand, right? Mm-hmm. You know, think about this. If the hand's over and then you turn, I turn to you, Chris, and I'm like, man, I had 8-9 there. I just couldn't stay in. Are, are you really not going to believe me? <laughs> no, but... but you're like, hey, hey, no, you should have <laughs> shown me your card so I know you're not bluffing. Right? So, I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. These guys feel like they need to show the cards. And they can't just tell someone, right? So um, if that happens, now if you get three of those at the table, can you imagine this? Now you've got a flop, you've got a turn... You got a muck, you got a big pile of chips, and now you've got like three other hands that are just like sitting on deck here, waiting to the end of the hand is so the dealer can turn them all over. It just sounds like that's going to cause more problems than it's solving, won't it? Well, here's the deal. I agree with the fact that they shouldn't show them at all. I think that what's the difference between me leaning over to you and showing you eight nine, or folding and leaning over and going, "I folded eight nine." I mean, right, exactly. what's the difference between those two things? There's zero difference, but you're not going to say, okay, now that hand's over, you have to stand up and announce to the whole room what hand you had. So it, that's silly to me, showing them at the end. But if they have to show them, I think you have to show them at the end. You can't show them during a hand so that a guy knows, oh, the eight was folded. Now I know if I should move on to the flop or the turn or whatever, whatever it is. That shouldn't be shown beforehand that, because that guy's out of the hand, so it's not affecting the action. You can't affect the action with it, and he's not by showing his friend because his friend isn't in the hand. That I can't I can't show the hands during when people are still in a hand. That's not ever going to happen ever. All right. But, well, let's start with this argument. Uh, neither of these rule uh, rules are actually solving the problem, right? Right. They're they're dealing they're treating the symptom and not the disease, right? So, if it, what we want is for players to quit showing their stupid cards in the middle of a hand, right? Right. We need penalties. Right. So than, yeah. So you need penalties, and it's obviously harder in cash games. Uh, because you can't, you know, make people sit out of an orbit or anything like that. Um, but I, 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 the proper thing here is to tell players, hey, that is not acceptable in the room. I know you're just showing your buddy, but how about you fold and just tell them later or whisper it in their ear or whatever. Um, and if you do it again, you're going to be asked to leave for the night. Right. That will stop it, right? Right. Uh, I mean, all this thing does with the holding the cards and tabling at the end it doesn't stop people from doing it. It just slows the game down more. So how about we just be adults and big boys here and deal with this like big boys can, right? Well, and the one thing that we're always talking on this show in a vacuum, and as businessmen, we both know that if we were on the cruise and somebody did that, we told them, you can't play for the rest of the cruise, we're going to get sued. So when you're a business person and you're running a, a poker room, you might be hesitant to throw people out of the room because they're making what is a minor infraction that really doesn't affect the actual game. But these are the rules that they're putting in place to try to avoid that. Their rules are show one, show all, or whatever. And they're trying to come up with another rule, which is a bad rule like we talked about. I don't know if throwing them out, I think that's a little extreme. I, I think... Uh, well, yeah, it might be. I don't, maybe there's something else to do. I, I know. Know. I, I, I'm trying it, to figure it out. It would also be in tandem of... 
clearly and politely explaining why this is not behavior that should be tolerated. Yeah. You know, it's not, hey, you can't do that. Next time you do it, you're out. I, that that would be bad, too. <laughs> I think it would be Flores comes over and say, hey, we we really believe in this room in one player to a hand. I know your buddy wasn't in the hand anymore. I know you were folding, but we do not want players showing cards to anybody um, anymore. Um, so this is a warning. Um, please don't make me come over and give you a second warning because I'm going to have to do something that I don't want to have to do. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and hopefully that's enough that the players won't do it anymore. Um, and if they do, then I don't know what to do. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you give them a second warning. I don't know, but it's almost like every parent at McDonald's, you know, <laughs> Hey, you do that again, I'm going to put you in timeout. And then the kid does it again. I'm going to put you in timeout. And the kid does it again. And I'm like, can I put the kid in timeout now? <laughs> uh, so I I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff in cash game is hard to deal with. Because tournaments, you've got so much more power as a floor to, you know, get people to do what you need to do. Because, um, I mean, you can kick them out of a tournament and tell them to go play cash if they want, right? And they're still there. But you kick them out of cash. I mean, what do you do? Hey, well, there's a tournament at 7 o'clock starting. <laughs> you can jump in that if you want. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. So, I mean, there, there is some stuff that we have to just recognize that with cash games, things are a little bit harder. But, uh, but again, I think with all this, with any of these call the floors, all this other stuff, the best thing is when a floor comes over and completely and politely explains the rules and what they're trying to accomplish to players. Um, so players have an idea that they understand. I mean, because again, a lot of this could be in home games. You know, home games people do all this all the time, right? And no one ever tells them that you shouldn't in a home game because you don't care in a home game. But in a casino, it's a bigger deal, and players need to be know need to be told why it's a bigger deal. Yeah. All right. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at anteupmagazine.com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how we would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. David Bloomberg, good friend, longtime listener, says, I play at a particular poker room enough that I know some of the dealers pretty well, and dealers in that room are allowed to play when not working. One dealer has a habit of saying things that I don't think he should say from the dealer box. For example, he will comment on hands after they are done or call out what the hand he thinks someone is about to turn over at the end of a hand to show how well he knows that player. Uh, yesterday I was playing, and I'm assuming it wasn't really yesterday, uh, <laughs> I had a flop uh, trip sixes in a fairly unlikely spot. Because it was so unlikely, I managed to double up through my opponent, who had aces, and thought he had a better two pair than I did. At the end of the hand, another player told the one who lost that it was obvious I had a six there. Then he asked the dealer if I ever have anything else there, and the dealer said no. I pointed out to the dealer, as I have on multiple occasions before, that he shouldn't be saying things like that from the dealer box. He laughed it off like he always does and asked me where in the rules it says that. So that made me think, where in the rules does it say what a dealer should and shouldn't be saying? Now, before I tell you what Elliot said, my response was some things shouldn't have to be explained to people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so these people are like, show me in the rules. I'm like, it was like a few good men, right? Right. <laughs> you know where you know where the mess hall is? Well, it's on the rule book. Um, anyhow, all right, so here's what Elliot says. Uh, TDA rule 68, no disclosure. Players must protect other players in the tournament at all times. Therefore, players, whether in the hand or not, must not, one, discuss contents of non-table live or mucked hands, two, advise or criticize play at any time, three, read a hand that hasn't been tabled, one player to a hand is in effect, among other things, this rule prohibits showing a hand to or discussing strategy with another player, advisor, or spectator. So Ellie goes on and says, uh, this rule applies to dealers and all poker room personnel just as much, if not more, than it does to players. This rule applies equally to cash games, too. Dealers and other poker uh, room team members have no business critiquing play or revealing information regarding the play of people who participate in the poker room's games. What the dealer did here is completely unacceptable and should not be tolerated in any way. You need to bring these concerns to the poker room manager and let him know this is happening. If he shows little or no concern, keep moving up the casino's hierarchy until you find someone willing to correct this problem. 
I have had to discipline dealers and supervisors that have made these types of comments in the past. As a poker room operator, it is my job to enforce the rules fairly and firmly for every person in the poker room. If the casino refuses to solve this problem in a mature fashion, I can't recommend that you or other players patronize their poker room. You know people are, are very pedantic and will look at that rule, though, and see nowhere in there does it say the dealer on his own isn't allowed to say something. If that dealer really wants to be a jerk and continue doing it, he might get reprimanded, but... Even if it says another player, advisor, or spectator, when you read that rule, it says it prohibits showing a hand or discussing it with them, but it doesn't say that the dealer, because an advisor or spectator, the dealer is not, you know what I mean? So they would be pedantic about it and say, well, it doesn't say a dealer can talk, you know? That's what they would say. It should be more clear, that rule, if you're going to say dealer. I mean, I guess you would throw a staff member. Yeah, exactly. But at at that point, I mean, do you put in a paramutual teller? I know. A waitress? You know, you any know. staff member of right. You know, I mean, at some point it gets to be a bit ridiculous. So I think the problem here is is that, and I hope that this is discussed at dealer schools. I, I've always assumed it has been, but if not, that's a problem too. But part of I would think your dealer education in the school is not just you know how to count pots and split pots and and shuffle cards, but you know what your role is there yeah. and. That, you know, when you're dealing, your job is to deal. You have enough else going on that you should be dealing and shouldn't be playing um, Amazing Kreskin, uh, <laughs> you know, when the hands are done. Um, now, I know I'm one of the players that loves to have a personable dealer that makes the game fun. Um, but, you know, if you're that kind of dealer, uh, talk about the movie you watched last night or how the Tampa Bay Rays are going to do this year. Don't talk about... The hands or the players sitting there. You're only going to hurt yourself too because they're not going to want to tip you for telling everybody how you play. You, you know, know and that's mean? the other thing too. There is a big silent majority. I mean, I, I would, you know, obviously, again, we've talked about this that, you know, we have to conduct ourselves a little differently because people know us in both rooms. So, but even before I was anti up, um, I, I would not be the one that would speak up and tell a dealer, hey, I didn't think that was cool. Um, but, you know, I will. I might give them a dollar instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, if I have the option of not sitting, well, I mean, I, they move around, but um, you know, I there is, you know, I think people in life in general think that things are okay because people don't tell them, but that's not always the case. Right. You know, people make a decision. Hey, I'm not going to go to your restaurant. I'm not going to go here or that, and I'm not going to even bother to tell you. So um, when he sits down, that's when you visit Little Doyle's room. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you just don't want to be around this dealer. Well, you know this dealer's going to screw you. And then from a poker operator standpoint, if if I go to a poker room and there's too many of those type dealers there, and I have an option of going somewhere else, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yep, exactly. Or if I have an option of not playing poker and going to a movie that night. I'm like, you know what? I don't. You know, Joe's Joe's dealing tonight. Every time he sits at my table, he tells people what I have. You know what? I, I won't go tonight i will go on the two days that he's not working tonight i'm gonna go somewhere yeah uh, so all the more reason for the operators to be sure that dealers are not doing this hey we get to find out what o'malley's move is so we're going to refresh our memories here with part one and then meet you on the other side hello and welcome to another o'malley's move i'm malcolm o'malley This week is the final week in that 5 cent, 10 cent, no limit hold'em home game. We're still seven-handed, and the night is winding down. We only have about another half hour of play left, and we sit with what we started with, $20. The blinds post, and we're under the gun with the jack of hearts, jack of clubs. We make our standard 3x raise to 30 cents. We get one collar from the button, but the rest of the table folds. This is the first time this player has played in our home game, and he seems to have a good grasp on the game. He plays a loose, aggressive style, but not overly aggressive, and he is by no means maniacal. He sits with around $25. There's 75 cents in the pot, and the flop is a decent one. The jack of diamonds, ten of hearts, nine of hearts comes down. With top set, I can't complain too much here. We do our standard seabed and make it 50 cents to go. Our opponent thinks for a short time before making the call. There's 175 in the pot, and the turn is the four of clubs. This is pretty much a blank. We make it 140 to go. Same story. Our opponent thinks briefly before calling. 
With 455 in the pot, the river is the six of spades. I really see no reason to slow down now. We make a 350 bet into the pot, and the villain raises us to $10. We have top set here, but there are a few hands that beat us. If we call, we are down to under $8. If we fold, we have just over 14 The night's almost over. What's the move? Our opponent's range is pretty wide here. King, queen, and jack eight. I'm sorry, seven, eight are possibilities. I guess jack eight is too. But, <laughs> uh, seven, eight are possibilities uh, and deadly, uh, but so are two paired hands. Jack, ten, anyone? I would never play jack, ten. No, never. Um, or a busted flush draw. Um, it's not proper poker to make decisions based on how much longer we have to play, but this is my chance of booking a winning session, so I'm going to call. Yeah, I'm always hesitant to call a river raise when the story could happen. Uh, add up to the nuts like you know in this case it could and the way it was played so uh i would never re-raise in this spot though i I would i would either call or fold and i think i'm gonna call here because i'm you know i i'm I'm still gonna have a decent night and i still have trips so or a set sorry they had that argument on the ship too some guy was arguing with some other guy about sets and trips and i'm like uh at the end uh, of the day does it really matter you really care i mean whatever but uh, I'm sure we'll get an email on that now. <laughs> but I'm going to call, so here comes part two. Hello again. Well, it was late. I wasn't thinking clearly. I didn't have much to go off with this player. I can make all the excuses in the world, but in the end, I made the wrong move. I shoved. Remember back in the first episode of this series, where I told you there were going to be four episodes of the 5 cent, 10 cent game, and three of them will involve King Queen? Well, our opponent never hesitated, called, and turned over the king of spades, queen of spades, for the nuts. Looks like our night's over. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, slow down and think about some things before you act. You might save yourself a buy-in. I hope to see you on the felt. Well, again, and there were lots of hands that we beat there. Uh, I wouldn't have shoved, but I think the call there pays off more than a fold does. Yeah, like I said, a call or fold, right, is the right play. I don't think a shove. <laughs> now we're losing more money that we don't. We're opening up the betting that we don't need to do, and there's just no reason to do it. Um, I will say this might be. Uh, oh, I know this is a weakness in my game. Um, where if I feel like I'm winning, I don't make that raise, right? Right. Uh, um, because I, I'm just being cautious. I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think there's an 80 percent chance that I have the best hand here, so I'm going to call when. That's a pretty staggering confidence there, and if that's the case, I should raise. Um, but I never, I almost never do. Um, so I don't know. Maybe O'Malley well, has the stones. Maybe I'm the Kanish here. You know. <laughs> the other thing, though, and I, I wrote this down was a shove only gets called by a better hand that only beats a bluff. So why shove? I mean, really, you're literally, you're just totally polarizing this situation now. Instead of just calling, you're going to find out the information anyway. You're still going to be winning for the night if you lost, and you're going to have a big win if you're right, but you're not going to get called on that shove if somebody's bluffing you, and if they have the nuts, they're going to call you. So it's it has to be a hand like two pair, and if you bet and they raise and you shove, two pair is probably folding. So Yeah, at that point, because now that person's looking and saying, oh, my gosh, does he have the straight? Yeah. If he doesn't have the straight, does he have a set? And I can't beat either one of those. So. Yeah, so I really I think a shove is 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 not optimal there. Um, but you know what? Hey, O'Malley's usually got it right, so I'm not going to fault him for the one mistake he made here. Scott? All right. It's time for advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands for situations <laughs> to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Sorry for the pause there. I just didn't have the hand up. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, we got through the whole show without the internet screwing up, and now Scott, all I can't hear him. This is going to be great. <laughs> oh, nope, man. Fashion operator air. Alright, this comes from Isaac Brown, uh, and he says, I got one for y'all that I think you'll like. So, first of all, I love the y'all. Yeah, I say that too. all the time, even though I'm never, no one can ever confuse me from being Southern. Right. Um, but uh, he's setting the bar pretty high, and he thinks we'll like it. Doesn't say we'll love it. It doesn't say for sure we'll like it. He hey, it's, we'll like it. it's not an Omaha PLO eight hand. I'll like it. So. Yeah. Well, good. You're in luck because it's from a one three uh, no limit game at a local card room in Houston. Okay. 
Um, let's see. He says, uh, I have what I assume to be a fairly loose, aggressive image at the table. Um, and the action folds around to the cutoff, a very loose passive player who makes it $20 to go. He has about 600 behind, and I have him covered. Uh, it folds to me in the big blind with ace of diamonds, king of hearts. <sighs> Call. I always like calling the big blind with this hand. I mean, again, I'm not going to get into the whole drawing hand thing, but um, I don't like to take uh, take control of the hand out of position with Ace King. I, I like the, I really like the deceptiveness of it because um, people are going to assume that you would have raised with that. So when I call, they don't know what I have really. Um, and then obviously, if the flop helps me out, then uh, then I have a better chance of getting some chips out of my opponent rather than raising now um because unless he was on a real steal and he's a very loose pass a uh, very loose very loose passive that's interesting yeah. um but if he's uh, so i don't i don't know which jekyll and hyde part here he is if he is he very loose in this one or is he passive because a very loose player is not going to fold to your raise right so you're just putting more money into the pot and then playing it out of position i mean a passive player might fold if you raise here and that's the case so i mean i guess if i thought that this player uh was just making a stab and, and fold more often than not then that would be my justification for raising but other other than that i, I just like calling here and um keeping people guessing what i have yeah i like that plan too because in this case you can sort of walk the dog if you hit this hand and check call might look like you're drawing and this guy wants to force you out with his pocket queens when you fit the king or who knows you know i mean you, you can be very deceptive with just a call with ace king in the blinds you know and it, the other thing is that if you re-raise and the guy's got a big hand like aces or kings and then he calls your re-raise or he comes over the top you're not gonna get it all in i don't think with ace king but maybe you will some players do that um but in a cash game, generally people aren't shoving with Ace King. Yeah, so, six hundred behind too. Yeah, I would not yeah, six hundred. No uh, chance. So I mean, you're going to end up being out of position the rest of the hand, or you're going to waste money re-raising, and this guy's going to come over the top of you, and then you got to fold Ace King, and you don't have a chance to see a flop with it. And then again, if you raise, re-raise, and then he calls, now the flop comes, and you've hit your King. He's got pocket aces. You don't know it, and you're betting out of position the rest of the way with a guy who's got basically the nuts against you and you're screwed because you're out of position whereas the other way you can use that out of position against him you could do a check raise on the flop when it comes you know if this guy's got queens and it comes blank blank king you check to him he bets you can then raise and end it there or you can call and then check and i mean there's all kinds of ways to play it passively and have this huge powerful hand and if you miss it completely then you just get out of the way and you've you know, you've only wasted the call with a quality hand. So I don't like re-raising here out of position. All right. Uh, our hero raises to $45. And our opponent calls. All right. Well, that's not a big raise either. You know, yeah, it's basically a min-raise. Min-raise, yep. So I'm not, I'm not liking that raise either. But all right. So now I've got 90 in the pot plus the small well, yeah. Actually, let's pot. talk about the raise a little bit. If you're going to raise, I think your your goal here with Ace King is to get the player to fold and pick up the pot. Right. Right. So a min raise is not going to do that. It, it's just, I mean, what what hand's going to fold for that extra twenty five dollars? You know, even a bluff. I mean, a you know a blind stealing hand that raise will probably call that because it's heads up now, and they have a better chance of they have a a better chance of winning the hand without having to improve, right? So yeah. so now we just blow to the pot, and now we've become the aggressor, and now that's going to be a much more difficult thing, I think, for us. You know, hopefully a flop comes with an ace or a king <clears throat> where we can feel more confident. But if not, I don't know what we do now. I mean, yeah. it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, let's make it all a big right. raise or no, or no raise at all. The flop is the ace of hearts, four of clubs, five of hearts, and we are first to act. Can you say it again? Ace of club, four of hearts, five of hearts? Ace, ace of hearts, oh. four of clubs, five of hearts. Sorry, Christopher. <laughs> Did you hear that? My phone my phone started listening to what I was saying. This is hilarious. I can't even I don't even want to read it out loud, but it says it's so nice. your phone calls you Christopher too. It says can paste the club for a heart by heart. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she said, I can't do that. I don't even know what that means. This is what so, happens when you turn your, your life over to technology. I know, and that's what Facebook wants. Um, so, all right, so it said Ace of Hearts, Four of Clubs, Five of Hearts. Yeah, and can you whisper so Siri can't hear you? Yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> all right, well, we've hit our hand, and we've raised. We've taken control. There's 90 in the pot. We're going to bet 60 now. Yeah, I mean, this is what we had hoped for with the raise, or what I had hoped for for our hero, <laughs> is that a flop game. I mean, obviously, it's a draw-heavy board, so that's going to be difficult if we get the call here. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know. It's, it's actually 90 plus like 92 minus the rake. I might go all pot here. I I, I don't want this hand to continue now at this point. Jeez, you're going to bet almost 100 on the flop? Right, I... I I mean, here's the thing. It's, there are hearts out there. I, mean, I guess we got a backdoor heart, so and we do have the king of hearts. So actually, that helps a little bit. Um, the the heart comes. The guy, our opponent, can't believe he has. He can't feel he has nuts unless it's a a wheel heart. But um, I don't know. But then you know, again, I I don't know what he's. We talked about uh, preflop that because of our smallish raise that our opponent could have anything at this point. So. You know, I wouldn't put a wheel card out of the range here as well, too. So there's a lot of draws here that are not going to be good for us. So so maybe uh, at least 60. How about 60? I'll go 60. That's what I said. Yeah, 60 is fine. All right. Um, our hero checks. Now and that makes no sense. It'd be one thing if you called and checked. That would make perfect sense. But now you've taken control of the hand. Now you're checking. That's fishy. Now you slow it down, right? Yeah. Unless we're going to check raise. If that's our plan is to check raise here, that, that that would be the only justification I would have for checking here. Because nothing good comes from checking here. I mean, one, either the our opponent takes control of the hand or the checks behind and gets a free card that's probably not going to be good for us. Um, we got to bet this. we gotta we got to own this flop now. I think. Well, yeah, you did say that uh, pre-flop the guy was passive. Didn't you say before we, before we got into any of this information? <laughs> yeah, loose, passive. So, okay, so he'll call any raise, but then he's passive, which means he's not aggressive, which means he's not going to bet if you check to him. You know, he might not bet. So now you're taking the chance of giving him a free card when it's a very wet board and the last thing you want. You've taken control of his hand. Now you've given it back up on a wet board. That's the last thing you want to do, I think. All right, our opponent bets 30, and it's back to us. Now we raise. You can do check raise, right? So now we check raise to 100. Yeah, particularly because the, the bet was so weak. I mean, normally that would be a uh, come-hither bet, but again, if this is the passive side of this player, um, i, I got to definitely check raise here and show him we got something. Yeah. Uh, all right, our hero calls. And he says, I figured I had my opponent crushed here, and if I checked, I would give him the opportunity to bluff at me. I decided to just call as opposed to raise to try to disguise my hand and hope he has an ace with a weaker kicker. Whew, really put a lot of faith in your read here, I think. Um, uh, so, I mean, I guess, saying that now, are, are we going to check the turn as well, too? And hope that he yeah. bets into it again? Oof. And at that point, I mean, how do we how do we have any confidence that the next card that comes, whatever it is, doesn't hurt us? Yeah, it's kind of scary. King, obviously, would be nice, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And what if a heart comes? This guy's betting his flush draw. And who knows? If he's loose, passive, then he could be betting queen jack here, hearts. We don't know. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's not, we should take control of his hand now and make this guy pay our price. And we should have, if we're going to check, we should at least check raise. Check calling, check calling is, is not going to work. All right. The turn is the queen of clubs. So our board now is ace of hearts, four of clubs, five of hearts, queen of clubs. And again, the action starts with us. Well, we gave up control of this hand. Um, I know we can come alive now. A lot of people do that. It's such a weird play. It's like a donk bet almost. It's it's a weird play. But maybe we come alive now and shut it down. Realize our mistake and shut it down now. Um, but the yeah, queen... here's the challenge with that, though, right? So yeah. if we bet now, it, our opponent's got to be confused, as we are, right? Which is uh, fine. We don't mind confusing them. Right. But, I mean, so they might just call, and then we're going to have to bet again on the river, and, we still, and we're not getting any more additional information, right? Yeah. And, again, how do we know whether this... I mean, this queen... It's not a good card, I don't think, for us. 
Um, how do we know that that's not now helped him? Or maybe we get raised now regardless? I, uh, I don't know. Right, I, you I can mean, make aces up there on that turn. And... I think at this point, the way we played on the flop, we got to check call the rest of the way in the hand and just hope that our ace is good. And that's unfortunate. But Right, hopefully he thinks, hopefully he's got something like ace-jack and he's hoping that we're drawing and check calling and so we're misleading him, thinking that we're check calling, hoping hit our draw. And he's going to try to keep betting us off our draw with ace jack or something like that. That's the only hand. That we, maybe it's the same hand as us. Who knows? But uh, ace queen now is is deadly. We're screwed to a king. Um, <clears throat> so we can't hit hearts now because it was the queen of clubs. So we can't hit hearts, backdoor hearts. So uh, that's another reason why I would have bet more too because we still had the backdoor nut flush if it wasn't the uh, plus now there's two clubs on board too so i mean obviously our opponent's probably not betting clubs but if he had something where he just happened to have two clubs with something else now he's got more options to yeah you could have ace ace of clubs king of clubs yeah there you go for all we know Uh. all right well we check and our opponent bets 55 and it's back to us uh well Here's the deal. I was willing to check raise to 100, so I'll probably call 55. Well, again, I mean, this is the, this is the line that I said we need to do now. We need to check call. Um, problem now is unless a king comes on the river and has to be a specific king, <laughs> I think, um, I we check call again. Now the plot, pot's got so big that we're just becoming as weak as possible here. I, I don't know. Um because there's 200 in the pot now. Yeah, there's still still a good chance that we're we're ahead here. So I guess I got a call, but uh, I just really I feel a lot more confident in my hand had we played this more aggressively. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if now is the time to become aggressive with it. All right. Uh, all right. So our hero calls, and he says this was one of the worst cards uh, for me to see. The body language and general vibe I was getting was that he really liked to see that turn card. The way the action had played out to this point, I felt fairly confident he also had an ace and had put him on ace-10 to ace-king um, and thought that there might be a high likelihood that he could have just made two pair. I decided to just call to see what happens on the river. All right, well, here's the problem with that is now we have to hit a king, right? Yeah, um, if you're convinced, you absolutely have to hit a king. Ace, man. But um, other than that, I mean, so that's a $55 call we just made. They hit a couple different cards still doesn't make us feel too confident right no i mean i think at that point if, if that's our plan we should just fold it here and said hey oh my gosh i mean and again there's no shame in admitting in the middle of a hand that you misplayed it right right i mean i, I think that's the bigger danger that players have is like hey all right i have screwed this hand up so bad that i i got to see it through the end no you don't you have an option of uh throwing in the white towel and then beating yourself up and hopefully you don't get yourself in that situation anymore so I think at this point, maybe this is a time to, as much as it hurts, to throw this ace-king away and reassess how we play that hand in that situation again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we I I was talking before about we were willing to check-raise and, and whatever, and so even though that was a desired effect by check-raising, hoping to end, hand, end the hand there... Um, I'm still thinking that if I'm willing to put that much money in on Ace King, I know the Queen came and he got that body language and all that, which would have been nice to know before we made our opinion known. Um, but even that, it's still, you know what, you were willing to put in 90 a minute ago, you know, to see one more street and call 50. Maybe he slows down on the river because he's not, you know, he may think we're drawing. Maybe the hearts get there and you represent the hearts. You know, who knows? Um, but Or the clubs even. But the clubs is going to be tougher to, to represent. Yeah. So you might have a play on the river here. You might want to call with the intent of if if the hearts get there, that's your play. You know, you represent the hearts because you've played it like hearts that's the whole way. Good point. You set the price on the river. You know, I mean, obviously he has a better hand. He's going to raise you. In that point, you have to fold anyhow. But um, but yeah, maybe we set our own price on the end. Yeah, because then if you play it like hearts and he ends up calling, you still have ace with top kicker. You have pair of aces with top kicker. So you still might even be good with that value bet. You yeah, know, if right. <laughs> he may think, holy cow, that's a brave value bet. But you might have been saying, I'm trying to represent the flush if it gets there, you know, because it doesn't seem like this guy's now betting the flush, you know, the way he's betting it. It doesn't seem like he, because at the turn, you think he'd slow down and get that card for free on the river instead of keep betting the flush. So it feels like if the flush gets there, 
then what? That's what the story we were telling is that we were trying to make a flush. It calls, it plays perfectly like we were trying to make a flush, um, except pre-flop we raised. But even then, we still could have king. Well, either way, I think we have to sell. You're right. We have to sell the river no matter what comes. Yeah. Even if it if if we try to sell it as two pair, I mean the problem obviously is if he has ace queen, unless a king comes, <laughs> he's not going to care. But I, I I I that's probably the play now is to make some kind of maybe the same bet here on the river and set the price or maybe bet fifty. I don't know and and hope that. That we don't get raised, that we get called, and that our ace is good. <laughs> That's a lot to hope for, but yeah. Because if we check the river again, the bet's not going to be that small. I don't think. Uh, I mean, obviously our our opponent has upped the bet every street, so I mean he's playing like a player should. So you know we're probably going to face at least a hundred dollar bet here if we don't set the price. Yeah, that's uh, that's always. It's, sometimes it always comes up as a weak play too when you bet. You know, you know the guy's gonna bet a hundred, so you bet sixty, and, and he's like, "All right, well now I'll make it one sixty, You know, and then yeah, you're yeah. screwed, and you've wasted sixty. But if it feels like you don't have any chance to win this hand except to bet, then you're gonna have to bet. But don't forget, you still have aces with the top kicker. There's still a chance you're ahead, and if the board pairs or something like the fours pair, then you've got aces up with the king kicker, and now you've got a really strong hand because if he doesn't have ace queen, you know, so. I don't know. We'll see. But if the hearts come, no matter what it is, I think we need to represent the river. Okay. The river is the king of clubs. So our final board is ace of hearts, four of clubs, five of hearts, queen of clubs, king of clubs. So the good news is our king gets there. The bad news is it happens to be a club. Yeah. And uh, we are first to act. See, now here's the, the argument for checking, I think. Because we were hoping to have to represent the river and steal this pot if the guy's got a better hand. But now there's a really good chance we have the best hand. Now you can go for the value bet, but then when you get raised, then you're like, ugh, there's that flush. So do you now check call? Because if you if you miss value on the end, all right, so be it. But I've played this hand poorly the whole way. I might as well play it poorly on the river too. And then maybe get a call out of this guy. You know, I mean uh, get a bet out of this guy and you can just call it. You know, and if he doesn't bet, then you're like, well, but it's odd that he would have. I mean, there is a chance, like you said, that the clubs got there because he was betting the flop and then turned the flush draw. So he said, I'm emboldened to bet because I've got a piece of this and I've got the clubs to fall back on. Right. So now now you're a little worried. So it's another reason why you might want to check call. Because if the clubs yeah. did get there, now you've got two pair, you've got a good yes. showdown hand, and you've let them. You know, he's not going to go shoving on you because he's thinking you're drawn to the hearts. Maybe he's thinking that. So he's going to try to value bet you at the end if he gets the clubs. And if he's got ace-queen, he tries to value bet you. Well, then you just call because there's a nut hand out there that you can't beat. And you just make a little bit of money and you're happy to go. So I think a check call is probably the, probably the best way to go. I'm going to agree with you. And I know millions of people are going to be like, oh, these guys are terrible. They should have bet. <laughs> they do that all the time. That's why they listen, right? Yeah. We make people feel better about their own game. That's right. That's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, all right. Our hero bets 125. Wow. And our opponent goes all in for his remaining stack instantly. Wow. Yeah, see, that's terrible. Yeah, I would have fold. I'm going to fold. I mean, I'm going to fold. There, there's the only hand we beat is aces up. That's queens are smaller. That's really the only hand that we can beat that maybe would make this play because he's ignorant. So, really, I realize it's a one-three game, and you don't get the greatest players in the world there, but. This guy bet it the whole way, and then when you finally decide to bet, he shoves on you instantly. Just don't like this spot at all. Yep. Don't like this at all. I'm, I mean, yeah, and what's going to happen? Now is... I'm curious. This is what we'll never know. What I hate about poker, you'll never know, is had we checked, like we said, yeah. what would the bet been? Would it have been all in? It might have still been all in. But that's the case that we saved $125, right? It's just easier to make that all in bet when you're not faced with a bet of 125 first. So when you see that 125 bet, it's hard to fold. It's hard to shove uh, on that because it's hard for you to fold. So that, to me, is not a bluff. I mean, we've bet 45, 30, so 75, and then 55. We've bet over 100 on this hand already, and now we've got 125 times. So we've already got 250 involved. We only got about three something left, 400 left. It's going to be hard for us to get away from this hand. So this guy shoved has to know that. 
He, it's very rare that this guy's bluffing here. I don't think he's bluffing. Brent would probably give me all the numbers and yeah. make me know, but for sure. But uh, I think this guy is not bluffing, and we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, I mean, think about this, too. Had we checked, what would the bet been? Again, I mentioned yeah. he could have still got all in, but I doubt it. I think the bet would have been between 100 and 125. Yep. And then for the same price that we already paid now, we get to see the, the showdown just on the off chance that her hand is better. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, our hero says, I felt that with my top two pair, I had my opponent crushed and was trying to bet for maximum value. I should add that before I made any action, the villain bet $25 at a turn and pulled it back after the dealer told him I had not checked and it was my turn to act. <laughs> wow. Oh. All the more reason to check to the guy. $25 all day long, right? Yeah. Check to him, make that $25 bet stand, and then call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well, we could still find out if we're, we're ahead, so... But I would never in a million years, especially now if you go back into his comments and say he liked the Queen of Clubs. Well, maybe he liked it because he picked up a flush draw now yeah. on top of his pair. You know, Maybe that's why he liked it, and now he's made the flush. You yep. need to just call that $25 bet and be happy. Uh, all right, so the villain turns over the Ace of Clubs, Ten of Clubs for yep. the nuts, scoops a nice pot. Uh, here it says, I think I played it optimally, and the King of Clubs was the single worst card that could have come, as I would have likely check-called any other club. Um, yeah, it's definitely the worst card to come. Yeah, <laughs> it's on a that. terrible card. Uh, I do think there's a better way to play this. Um, yeah, I mean... I, I, don't know whether we, I don't know whether the uh, result would have changed. I mean, so, you know, I, I'm going back to what I thought I would have done. I would have just called the raise preflop. Um, on the flop, I would have checked. He would have bet 30, and I would have called. And a turn is the queen of clubs. You know, I, I don't think anything changes, I guess. Um, he just gets there. I mean... Well, maybe the re-raise and the pre-flop maybe, maybe gets gets the, the full. Even if you re-raise on the turn, he's now he's not going anywhere, right? He's right. got an ace with a it's fair earlier piece. in the hand is when and you can maybe change the outcome of this hand. Later on, he's not going anywhere. It's earlier in the hand, and then the bet, the bet on the end, you just you just can't bet that one twenty-five when that board is that board. If you just think about your comments that he woke up and liked that queen, doesn't necessarily mean that his ace is up with queens. It means he just picked up an additional out. An additional, you know, strengthening of his hand, and that that got there, and that's what happened. So club club gives him, you know, so and even that, even that he could have had jack ten of hearts and was betting it, and then it goes, oh, now I've got a Broadway draw, and then he gets there with the king and had Broadway, so he could even have Broadway there and beat you, yeah. you know, by liking that queen. So. Right. And he yeah. could have made a set of queens. He could have just bet the the flop to hope you didn't have the ace because you were afraid after you had raised to try to represent it. And then he turns a set of queens. So many hands beat you now. To bet out on the river is not the way to go. It's just not. Check call and hope your aces up win. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.